A Podcast One production. Hi, I'm Nat Kringudis. And I'm Cecilia Ramsdale. Welcome to The Wellness Collective, a podcast where we invite you to be part of our wellness community to share, learn and live better. Hello, welcome to The Wellness Collective. My name is Cecilia Ramsdale. Oh, I'd be Nat. You'd be Nat. Can you give us your full title? Uh, which one? Just give me who you are. Um, Nat Kringudis, Doctor of Chinese Medicine, best-selling author and speaker. <laughs> yes, a doer of amazing <laughs> things. Now, the reason I asked you to do that is because um, one of our guests that was on just a few weeks ago said, ah, was I supposed to know who Nat was? And I thought, we didn't really make that clear. Oh. But you do know your stuff. And I think that's important to put <laughs> out <was> there. <laughs> Oh, one of our IVF boys. Oh, well, he's yeah. not going to know who I am. No, that's right. But the point is, if you're listening to the Wellness Collective podcast and this is your first time, we when, always assume it's your first time, but, you know, there's a lot to get back through We're not going to do that, don't you know who I am? Uh, no, we're not going to do that. But it is interesting to know that you do know your stuff. Well, You're not just making about, it up as you I go along. I know a little bit about some stuff. Mm, know some things about stuff, which is why we're here today. I know. It is why we're here today. We're here to talk about all of the stuff. <laughs> now, as we record this, the interesting thing about podcasts, of course, is you could be listening to this anywhere, anytime, and we always have to keep that in mind. At the moment, though, as we record it, it's kind of coming up to a crazy busy time of the year. You have just got yourself back off a plane from New York City. That was fun. After just jetting over there for a little bit. Just over and back. Jetted over to LA a few weeks before. Well, you know. You know, you're everywhere. like to live on the edge. Natty everywhere. (laughs) Which means um, the reason you went to New York, though, was? Well, I have a new book coming out that was actually meant to be in store already, (laughs) for uh, young women to understand their bodies better. Now, if you've been listening to the Wellness Collective podcast for some time, you would know that this is a project that you have had on the boil for a little while. Oh, it's been in my brain for about five years Mm -hmm. and it was actually really lovely when we had our um, launch party last week. Somebody had said somewhere, I think on social media, I remember when you first told me you were were going to do this. Mm. And people always ask, oh, how long does it take to write a book? I'm like, well, it's probably not that long once you actually put your head down and your bum up. But the thought of it and then the ideas and how that snowballs, that's five years that's in the in the making. <laughs> I'm impressed so. with that, to be honest. I've got some projects that I've been thinking about and working on and chipping away at for about 15 years. Yeah, so right. I think five years well, seems like a pretty good time frame. So the thing with this book was I was so desperate to get it out there because there was nothing out there like it because we are finding, I know that I have women that come into the clinic and I certainly made my mark in women's health around fertility, but what I realised at some point was there were all these women that were extremely broken that if we had to fix them when they were first diagnosed with a problem rather than masking their symptoms, I wouldn't be treating the heartache and the pain and everything else that came with the infertility. And so really that's a conversation of, of you know, a diagnosis of something that had happened 15 or so years beforehand and how do we actually educate young women so that they're not in this position as they transition through the various stages of life. Okay, so what's the book called? It's called Beautiful You. Okay, and really what it is, it's, a, it's kind of like a... 
I don't know, a friendly manual for teenagers and mothers, is it, to kind of have a look at what goes on in a female body? Yes, absolutely. Um, Some have dubbed it the modern day, are you there, God, it's me, Margaret. (laughs) Now, I've never read that book, so I don't actually know what that means, but that sounds good. Oh, really? Yeah. I remember that. In the 80s, 90s, it was Judy Bloom, wasn't it? And it was this little novel and it was like a secret kind of thing that got passed around when you're in about grade four or five. And it was about Margaret going through the the start of puberty, I think, and getting a bra and a period and all those kind of things and talking to God about it because I think she didn't really have anyone else to talk about. No one else wanted to listen. I love that you... Well, I'm listening. (laughs) I'm not not God, but I am listening. Um, And I think, yeah, my book's definitely targeted sort of 14 to 20 plus. So, Mm -hmm. you know... Really, when I wrote it, it was for teens. But what I actually see in the clinic is still women in their mid-20s that have no idea what their body's doing. Mm. And you're looking at me like I'm strange, but it really does happen. No, no, I believe you. (laughs) It's me thinking about going, "Mm, well, I guess if things are sort of just, you just accept things are the way they are, you know, you Mm. don't necessarily know to question something. No, of course. And And that's exactly why so many women are in the predicament that they're in in the sense that they're trying to have babies and all of a sudden realise that the actual inner workings aren't actually working as they should. So, mm. um, you know, there's 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 lots of facets to the book. It's not just about that. I go through everything from, um, you know, emotional health and the changes that we're experiencing in line with our hormones right through to, um, you know, Physic, more physical things, nutrition, how we eat, why we need to eat a certain way, um, and then obviously the the more physical changes that we're seeing. You know, you've got acne. Why you're gaining weight? Why like mm. going through all of these things? I know that no sixteen year old wants to a be told what to do and really probably doesn't really care about their reproductive health at that point in time. What I do know that they care about, however, is the physicality of how they're looking and feeling, and so that's what I really wanted to weigh in on to begin with and really start to have these healthy conversations with um, loved ones, so mothers and daughters or aunties and and Mm. nieces or next-door neighbours, I don't know, whoever it is. I think we have a responsibility as this generation, Mm. you and I and, you know, people of our age, to educate these young women. But what I've also discovered is that we don't necessarily understand (laughs) ourselves. So it's a conversation for me to have with all women, really, not just teens. So going back to the acne idea with... um Uh, puberty. Mm -hmm. I mean, how much of it is just what happens when you go through puberty and how much of it is a problem? Yeah, well, I mean, acne, which is full-on, full-blown acne, is Mm. an inflammatory condition, um, possibly autoimmune, we think, just like everything else. Um, (laughs) So when it's, you know, a couple of spots here here and there around the period time is very normal, a full face of acne is another conversation to be having altogether. And it often goes hand in hand with, um, you know, some type of hormone imbalance like PCOS or polycystic ovarian syndrome. So it's a clue into a possible bigger problem. And there's so much you can do to help to support your body to minimise that. So again, it's just one way your body's speaking to you and opening an an avenue for you to explore a bit further. I do love that about the work that you do and me working with you, I think I've said this before that before I met you, I just didn't really think about this or the whole idea of, you know, the, the symptoms uh, giving you the clues to the cause and then, you know, by going to find the cause then you can treat the cause and then you're not just treating the symptoms, which I still find I think a lot of people 
get caught up in that cycle because, and then if you start to take a drug for something, then that can have side effects. So you might take another drug to offset the side effects of the first drug and those kind of things. And drugs are important, but I think if you can use that idea of going, right, okay, that acne is not good. Mm. Uh, I always say to patients, I want you on the lowest to no dose of any medication without symptoms. So mm. it can be great to in conjunction with things, but if you if you just if you have a problem whether it's hormonal or not and you are taking medication and thinking that just by taking the medication it solves all of your problems, that's very ambitious. Um, that and in my experience it doesn't actually fix the long term. It's not sustain- sustainable. Things but start to show up. People other- don't know that. No, though. totally. And that's what I'm saying. I, if it's the one thing that you hear is that I want people on the lowest to no dose with no symptoms. Mm. And that really, that's always my aim. So, and on the l- least amount of, of a regime of drugs as possible, because mm. again, one has a side effect and then you take something else. And before you know it, you're on eight different medications. So I will always look at a patient that comes in that's maybe on six or more. I'll, I'll look and go, all right, let's get your body working better. Let's, you know, um, let's talk with your doctor and, and see what we can do away with, with no symptoms. So I'll help them work through that. Um, whether they're 16 or 66, it's still really mm. important to maximise your body to work to its best ability. You don't want to idle. But I think what happens is that we are told that the one drug will fix the, all of the problems and that Magic pill. just doesn't work. Mm. And so if we don't address the reason why things are showing up, um, then long-term that's not sustainable. Hey, um... We've been doing this a while and we've covered quite a few topics and I feel like I've just got little bits of information along the way, put them in my kit bag, you know. Yeah, no, a lot more since, now. since I met you. Mm-hmm. Whew, I might launch my own book, surely. Yeah, great idea. Yeah, yeah, my yeah. musings with Nat Kringudis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. or you could just listen and then yeah. you would get them anyway. Um, but just recently uh, <laughs> I completed the six-week challenge that you set for me, which is really interesting being on the other side of it because um, – you basically said to me, you've got to do this six-week challenge thing that, that I do um, because I'm sick of you complaining about the fact you've got a sore back, <laughs> which is good. You know, everyone needs a friend like you in their life. Um, How's your back? Great. <laughs> well, this is the thing, you know, like all this stuff has been theory to me and I've put it in my kit bag and whatever, but the idea that I could actually follow a regimen that was reasonably strict but not not super strict, which mm-hmm. I think is why I managed to actually stay on board. Um, and I did that for six weeks. The idea that I would be able to do that before and that it would have any effect on me because I didn't have any problems that I could, you know, that I felt, Pinpoint. but clearly yes. I had something. Um, but do you know what I mean? Like I think it's easy if you've got chronic stuff that you go, I know what this is yes. or I, I can identify that I need help. But I didn't really feel that way. I just had this niggle that I couldn't work out. But the six weeks of not eating wheat, dairy and sugar mm-hmm. alone mm-hmm. has made me feel like a different person. It absolutely does. And that's the funny part is, is that it's interesting because you don't know until you don't have it and then how good do you actually feel? Yeah. Yeah. Everything is just better. It just, Mm. everything works better. And that's the whole point. How can we maximise your body function to allow your body to work to the best of its ability? I can guarantee you, you're going to feel better. What's really interesting, I had a patient and this happens all the time, but it was standout last week and she sat down and she's like, oh, you know, if I do the right thing, if I eat right, if I sleep well, if I, you know, manage my stress, I feel fine. 
I feel really good. My and she's I think it was endometriosis. My pain's less. And I just looked at her and I'm like, and <laughs> she's like, Yeah, but that's not reality. And I'm like, well, you need to kind of make it a priority. Yeah. There isn't a magic bullet for this stuff. It's mm. just not. But what's interesting in the book is the whole point is to empower somebody to be able to recognize where there is might be a problem, use their symptoms to prompt further investigation, help them not to fear what that might mean and give them some solutions to start to pave the way. And, you know, if you were to come into my clinic, I'd make you do that stuff first anyway. Mm. So it's really interesting if somebody's actually followed some of this work that I do and implement a lot of what I talk about, by the time they get to me, they're really easy to to actually sort out because they've done that part first. But if you're wondering where to start, whether it's menopause or um, infertility or PCOS when you're 16, um, you know, there is some pretty simple day-to-day things that you can implement, like what we do with the six-week challenge, Mm. that really make a massive difference. Mm, It's crazy. Hey, look, we're just going to take a little break and then we're going to come back and I want you to um, take us through a few extra things in the book and uh, tell us exactly uh, what we don't know, Sure, I think. This episode of The Wellness Collective, it's a bit quiet in the studio, it's just you and me. Mm -hmm. Don't fart, you might hear it. (laughs) (laughs) Can't blame it on the guest this time. Yeah. would never do that. <laughs> I Although I did walk into this building the other day and I was like, oh, I was like, farts in here. Uh-huh. But it wasn't, it wasn't me. me. It wasn't me. It either. wasn't you. You weren't here. You were probably me. in New York City. Mm-hmm. Hey, um, we're talking about the book that you've just written, which is called Beautiful Me. Beautiful You, actually. Oh, beautiful. I thought That's it was about me. Name, actually. I like Beautiful Me. Oh, we'll go back and change it. It's <laughs> not in the bookshop yet. Yeah. Well, it's not, actually. <laughs> you've got time. That's another story. You did have a little bit of a launch the other day and if people follow you on Instagram, they might have seen a few pics from it. And it mm-hmm. was so lovely. And you know what I loved about it? We got to catch up with some people who had been in the Wellness Collective podcast. Yeah. And I hadn't seen them since and it was so nice. It was like a catch up with old warm friends. I know. You were hanging out with all your peeps. I was. Yeah. All, I these, all these chickas that were our yes. friends from the podcast. Totally. Uh, so, yeah, you have to go through and have a listen to some of the ones. In fact, there was a few there whose podcasts haven't even been published yet. That's how, you know, hot it off the press. Been published. Anyway, that's another t- That's another conversation. Yes, okay. Now, talking about your book though, it's really about empowering uh, teenagers, girls, women, mothers particularly to kind of take um what is it? Take control, ownership, ownership yeah. of their life mm-hmm. and their bodies and their fertility. Mm-hmm. And I really think we're getting somewhere though with with people, women particularly, learning to trust their bodies and listen to their bodies more. But this book that you've written, you're so passionate about, and and I can see why. Now, one of the statistics though you said that you found before you wrote it was that 80% of women were mothers. Un- yeah, mothers were not satisfied with what their daughters were being taught at school. And you went, hey, I can feel I that gap. I was like, oh my goodness, this is not okay. Mm. We learned lots of things. I learned um, 40% of mothers didn't know the difference between their vagina and their vulva. Mm. And same around the around about the same it was actually a little bit less of young women, which is good because mm. we're getting somewhere with this. Um, it's funny, isn't it? Mainly, it's maybe partly it's because it's a bit hard to see. Well, it's totally hard to see, <laughs> and that's the thing. It hasn't always Need been acceptable to have a look either. No, oh, I was never taught to oh, get the mirror I was out. At school. I wasn't. Yeah, I was not. I went to a Catholic 
um, high school. And so did I. It was not, you know, there was certainly subjects that weren't, um, topics, sorry, under this subject that weren't discussed. It just wasn't acceptable. You know what, on that, it's really interesting, isn't it, that, um, you know, other people's beliefs play into this so much. And so to be able to put it in a frank kind of um, medical fashion makes it accessible for people without the emotional kind of aspect to what's it. In, yeah, what's interesting is I think that the facts have been missing. There's been pieces of the facts missing because as adults, we have an emotional experience tied up within the physicality mm. of, say, sex, mm. for example. So we, when we're telling this to our our children, um, well, I mean, we make up all sorts of stories, don't we? And we think that they're going to be offended or disgusted or whatever it might be. But if you actually explore it with 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 children or with young te- or teens, it's actually not that at all in my no. experience. So, you know, what's been very interesting and people say, well, when's the right time? And it's like, it's not about a right time. It should be an ongoing conversation from when kids are asking questions. You know, mm. it needs to be age appropriate, obviously, but I know that we've had lots of questions in our living probably since she was maybe eight, but there's always that question when they're five or six or where do babies come from or how mm. a baby's made and why is it that we make it about a stalk or, a, you know, things that are totally ridiculous? My cousin um, had this conversation with me the other day. She has a one-year-old, she's nearly two, and <laughs> she said they're going through the whole body parts mm-hmm, thing mm-hmm. and she points and she says, knee mm. and, you know, da-da-da-da. She said, but I, do- I don't say vagina. But I should say vagina, shouldn't I? We should. And I was like, well, it's a bit complicated because, you know, you can say it, but you may not be pointing to the right part. So what do you say? Like, I think that's part of it as well. I do think, however, it just needs to be an ongoing gentle conversation that's progressive (laughs) and age appropriate. I I like front bum. Yeah, I know. I know it's not. That's hilarious. Well, well, Livy called it a vajuj for many years as well. Oh, that's good. Vajutsa, that's good. I like that. We like a bit of that, a bit of a JJ. But the point (laughs) being is that I think that uh, there there does come a time, well, there shouldn't actually come a time. It should just be Mm. an ongoing conversation when it comes up, something and, you know, try it on because I know now Olivia's asking a lot more questions mm. and the more I'm just very frank and factual, it's no skin off her nose. No, that's right. They get bored. If you make it into something that's bigger than it ought to be, then... Absolutely, but it just is what it is. She she worked out not long ago that a sperm and an egg needed to get together mm-hmm. to make a baby mm. and she asked me that question. I said, oh, well, mummy's got to spend time with daddy and then that's something that happens. And Geordie's in the background going, yeah, it's when you kiss and stuff and <laughs> we're not having a bit of a giggle about it. But the point is actually what she was most upset about was the fact that I wasn't having another baby. Mm. She was like, hang on, you can go and make this happen now. And I'm like, well, technically, yes, I have to have ovulated. So that egg needs to be oh, released. Oh, then you and got a bit too complex. No, I didn't. Not at all. I said, was that egg has to be released? And she was like, all right. And then she was like, wait, and you're not doing this? And I was like, no, we're not doing this. No. And she was more upset with the fact that she could have a sister and I wasn't giving her one <laughs> as opposed to the fact that mummy and daddy would spend time together to have a baby. Mm. So it's our emotion that yeah. we need to put to the side and just have this gentle ongoing conversation and constantly be, I think, you know, referring to things correctly and factually. I think it's also that external force of, um, you know, what school you go to or what religious um, affiliation you have or the society you live in, the town, you know, all of those factors Mm -hmm. uh, play into it, of course. I was listening to a podcast the other day, an American podcast, um, and they were talking a lot about um, genetics and and gender and how it all kind of plays out in nature. And it was really great. But they did this conversation about um, 
contraception. And in one of the states in like the South of America where the religious uh, rights were very strict, Mm -hmm. they weren't allowed to actually teach how to put condoms on in the school. So these people that were that were teaching sexual health and, and sex ed were really kind of perplexed about how they were going to portray this and yet not, you know, cross the boundary and get mm-hmm. into trouble. So they came up with when it's on YouTube, you can you can have a look for it. They come up with this idea that you get a sock and a foot. <laughs> and you say, awesome. So what you do is you get your foot and you get the sock, a long sock, like a you know, a football sock, mm-hmm. and you roll the roll the sock up and you put it over your toe and then you roll it down all oh the gosh. way up your leg as long as it will go. And you have to make sure it's all the way unrolled. And then there you go. You're ready to wear that sock. Well, there you go. And I thought, isn't that brilliant? Well, I have to say that I've spoken in schools recently and I would get pulled up before I speak about what's appropriate and what's not. Mm. And we're talking for year 11s and year 12s. So 15, 16, 17, 18 year olds. Mm. Um, And I know what, I I know from my own experience what wasn't wasn't appropriate to talk about. Um, But aren't we doing a massive disservice to teens if we're not talking about sexual health and also the risks and what can happen and educating them in a way that they, I mean, these, this generation in my experience and my research for writing the book are actually the most um, well-educated, the most respectful, the least likely to get into trouble with the law. They're basically the best mm. <laughs> that we've ever been, mm-hmm. yet we're treating them like they're silly. And I don't think that's okay. I think that that's really disrespectful to them. Um, and I think also who in the world is making the decision that it's not okay to talk about this. That's what I want to know. Is it some, and I'll be really frank with this, is it some old fart sitting up somewhere (laughs) really high saying we are not to talk about the fact that you can only fall pregnant when you ovulate? Mm. I was led to believe that you ovulate, and yes, that needed to happen, but... I wasn't educated as to what that was, how often that was. No, just you know, d- it was just that basically you could fall pregnant. Pregnancy. Correct, yes. right? There yeah. was this this piece of information that I felt like it was withheld from me. Yeah, and that's not okay. And whether that's still happening or not, and I think in some places it is, in some places it isn't. Um, we just need to have these factual conversations. And I, I wrote the book in such a way that I am so passionate about getting it into schools. I wanted it to not cross boundaries. I wanted it to be really factual and truthful Mm. without being disrespectful. So that's what I tried to do. I also tried to write the book without it not weighing too heavily in on the sexual side of things. But actually, when you're talking about reproductive health, you can't help but talk about No, it is a fairly large part of it. Mm. I think though, with everything that you do and everything that we talk about in the Wellness Collective and the people that we talk about, it's about empowering people to have the information to make the decision for themselves so that you're not walking in to see whoever it is you're seeing and you just accept that if what they've said to you doesn't fit right with you, then then you can question that Mm, and do mm. some more research and perhaps it isn't the right thing. I mean, I I think I said to you just recently, I went to the doctor about something and she said, you should go on the pill. And I was Mm. like, nah, Mm. don't think I should. No, of course. No. I think also, you know, I know we've spoken to Lael Stone about this in a previous podcast about speaking to teenagers Mm. around sex. She was amazing, but also it was a bit frightening. I was like, oh, I know, but that's, yes, I know, right? But my point is this. In our research as well, we discovered that at least 30% of teens were admitting to going to Google to find out information mm. about sex. Mm-hmm. And I know, again, we spoke about this with Lyle, but um, 
you know, that means that kids are basically watching porn and that is their perception yeah. of what is normal for possibly their first sexual encounter. And, I, you know, I even in the book explored the question, should I be having sex? And, I mean, how do you answer that question? Yeah. I don't know. Should you be having sex? But what, what I basically said was sex is supposed to be something that is fun, that you feel really good about, yep. and that in a relaxed environment won't actually be awful. So if it's anything other than that, well, probably no, you shouldn't be having sex. And when is the right time? No one can answer that. But if Mm. it's not a safe environment, if it doesn't feel good, if you're not excited and happy about it, then no. Mm. Not not the right time. Yep. Um, And, you know, just little things like this that we've really dived into. So... There's also another whole chapter on Q&A and that was really fun to collate because it was all of the questions that I would have had but also I know other people had and we asked teens as well, what is it if you could ask your doctor and then not judge you at all, what questions do you want to know? And that was fun. Answering those was really good because I think that's where also a lot of gems lie is in that banter and interaction between us, you know, to find out what people don't know. As I was driving into the studio today, I was listening to the radio and they were talking about words of the year, most irritating words of the year, actually, and <laughs> wellness came up. Oh, yes, of course. But apparently it's not from this year, so oh. we didn't make the grade, but there were some funny um, add-ons to that. But life hacks are one of the things I think is is quite a cute um, thing that has kind of yes. stumbled into our lexicon. But you, you embraced the life hack in a particular way, mm-hmm. and I like that, mm-hmm. the hormone hack. Tell me about how you reckon that hormones are your best life hack. Well, I I say hormones are your life hack because if you can crack them, (laughs) then you're you're sorted. And if you can understand them, um, then you don't, again, you're informed. You don't need to fear the worst. You know that if one month's worse than the last... You can look and go, hmm, what's actually happened here? Uh, have I been unkind? Is my estrogen out of control? Um, is my cortisol running the show? So if we can understand a little bit about the main hormones in our body, I think we can we can definitely reflect on what we've done over the past little while and then not think that we're going to, I don't know, decombust of some horrible disease, <laughs> which is often where our mind goes if we don't understand yeah. something, right? You know, so I think I think the whole idea of hormones being your life hack is is something that um, it's just a, just a little catch to empower people. Mm, I think it kind of sums the whole thing up, doesn't it? Yeah. Okay, well, uh, we're going to wrap up this episode of the Wellness Collective Oh, today. before we do, mm. I'm just really loving the whole let's read a couple of reviews, if I may. Oh, absolutely. And please follow us on... Um, our Instagram, which is Collective The Wellness. Yes. You need to do that because over the uh, over the weeks, um, you're going to be very busy making sure everyone's up to date with everything that Absolutely. we've done and they can get to everything. And we like to share funny things on there too. And yeah. it's a place for you to interact with us, tell us what you would like, mm-hmm. any guests that you would like us to have on. Um, we've got some pretty good ones in the, in I know, the tube we do. at the moment. Some excellent ones in the can. Um, here, Five Star Ladies. Oh, great. I think we've read this one. It's oh, new. Good. I've recently come across the Wellness Collective and absolutely loving the variety of content. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Well, hard to say anything back I know, about right? that, really. Uh, what else have I got here for you? Um, here. This has to be one of the best podcasts I've ever listened to. Yes. Informative and funny, the perfect mix. Great banter and extremely engaging. And I cannot praise this collaboration of women for women. Just yes. Big love. 
Oh. This person, it says actually, oh, yeah, Tiger Lily. Oh, thanks, Tiger, Tiger Lily. Tiger Lily 112. Oh. Um, we would love for you to leave a review <laughs> and you never know if it's if it's um, if it catches my eye or Cecilia's eye, mm-hmm. you might just get it read out on the airwaves. Absolutely. Hey, thanks for joining us. You're we welcome. Hope, you particularly. <laughs> <laughs> I must say I'm very pleased this book is out because there was a few little hot, hot moments during the year where you were like, oh, got to get the book, got to get the oh, book. And it's, it's, it's lovely to see a weight lifted off your shoulders you. and the information then out there for everyone else to enjoy. Everyone, yes. Until next time, thank you for being part of the Wellness Collective. You know where to find us. Please enjoy and tell your friends. And until next time, we do hope this podcast has (laughs) left you feeling happier, healthier and better. 